0: Agritalk is on the air and ready to keep you informed and entertained on this Thanksgiving Day 2023. We're talking all things soybeans this morning, from genetics to farm bill, market outlook, and demand development.
1: From Thanksgiving Day in the USA via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Talk. This morning, we begin with Liz Knutson from Pioneer, then it's Brad Doyle from the American Soybean Association, Mac Marshall from the United Soybean Board, and later, Mark Kitt from Syngenta. and handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, welcome the host of Talk Chip Flory. All right, Davis, happy Thanksgiving, brother. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Turkey, turkey to us all, am I right? <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Okay, fresh cranberries or the... Mm-hmm gelatin stuff out of the can
1: you know what we're going with the canned stuff with the berries in it gonna nice. try that this year see how that goes yeah
0: how about you uh, you know, I'm fresh. I am a fresh cranberry relish kind
1: mm-hmm. of guy. Love it. That sounds right. Love that it, love right. it, love it.
0: Hey, last week I was at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting in Kansas City. Had a chance Beautiful to talk with, Kansas City. Beautiful Kansas City. Had a chance to talk with several companies and organizations. This morning we are going to talk soybeans uh, from getting them off to a good start to building a market for what you are growing uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting conversations along the way here so happy thanksgiving everyone Woo-hoo! enjoy our coverage from the national association of farm broadcasting convention and uh, let's go ahead and get this thing started with a conversation about soybean genetics We are going to focus on soybeans this morning on Agritalk. And joining us right now, to recap 2023 growing season, look forward to 24 and beyond, is Liz Knutson, and the U.S. soybean marketing lead for Pioneer. Liz, welcome to Agritalk.
2: Chip, it's good to be with you. Okay. Liz,
0: how in the world can soybeans make beans with as little rain as we had in August and September of this year, it blew me away.
2: It's the question of the year, right? Uh, we talked this summer, and it was, did you get rain? Did you not get rain? And we we're all kind of waiting on pins and needles. Results are still largely neutral to positive, and a lot more positive than I think any of us were anticipating. Pioneer soybeans still seeing a three bushel yield advantage against our competitors. A series having another great showing with two and a half bushels over competitive E threes. Just Things you weren't expecting, the performance certainly from Pioneer Beans, but overall these yield levels farmers experienced, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. What
0: is it that we learned from 2020? Well, and we can throw 22 into it too. What have we learned from the last couple of years about growing beans that is going to influence how Pioneer does things down the road?
2: You definitely have to think about more factors than just what you're used to in your area, right? So I'll use Iowa in 2023 is an example. I come from Wisconsin where we've had years and years of white mold pressure. This year, Iowa experienced some heavy white mold pressure. That's not normal. So as we think about, you know, what varieties are we looking at for our farms in 24? Yeah, we got to look back to 2022 and think about what challenges do I face. Then you also kind of got to look at the macro around you and say, what other challenges might creep into my area that I should be thinking about some other defensive packages as well?
0: You know, for a long time, growers in the in the middle of the country they they said hey you know what the genetics that are coming in these new corn hybrids are fantastic we're seeing the bump but where is it from beans it feels like we're starting to experience that bump it's had some challenges from mother nature but it it seems that we are finding that bump from the different bean varieties now
2: Yeah, we're definitely seeing record soybean yields across the board. Growers are finding even more top-end yield potential, and I think that's a combination of a lot of things. Certainly, it's the genetic foundation you start with, but it's that G by E by M that we all talk about, right? So genetics by environment, do you get rain or not? But then the management practices we've really put into place, starting strong with limogen seed treatment if you're Pioneer beans, and then thinking through the whole season, do we put a fungicide application on or two? Uh, We're doing more with soybeans, and I think that's helping us lift that overall yield level beyond what we're accustomed to.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like maybe some growers are pushing the envelope a little bit on planting dates?
2: Oh, absolutely. Earlier and earlier every year, we had a lot of growers where I covered in Wisconsin where beans were going in before corn. And I think that in Wisconsin, it's cold there. Sometimes (laughs) there's still snow in March, right? And then we're out 10 days later because the sun comes out and it gets hot. But I think... That's a positive trend for soybean growers. That's also a component of the environment, the management piece. Earlier planted beans, we're seeing positive yield results at the end of the season.
0: Okay, this all leads into what's coming up down the road, and I'm sure that there are some positive uh, products coming from Pioneer when it comes to soybean varieties. What do you got?
2: We're really excited to be welcoming a new class of soybeans to the market in 2024. So we're launching Pioneer brand Z-Series soybeans next year. So Z-Series, you'll hear a lot more as we get into Commodity Classic. It's still early. We're wading through the yield data. What I can tell you, Chip, is Z-Series soybeans will bring you even more. So it will be more yields, more enhanced agronomics, disease protection, as well as more exclusive varieties that growers expect from Pioneer. And, you know, A-Series was nothing to snuff at, right? Positive yield results. Lots of growers had name recognition. We're excited to move from A to Z and bring growers even more. We're talking about years of pent-up genetic gain as we were working you know, out of an, an old trait system into the Enlist D 3 system, our breeders kept pushing the envelope on genetic gain, and that's the result that growers are going to see in Z series next year.
0: Okay, the M part of it, uh, the management side, as these new varieties come on, and I don't know if it's going to mean more nodes per plant, more pods per node, more beans per pod, I don't know what it is, but all I know is that that plant is going to have to do more to support the yield potential that it's got how how do we do that the management's got to really play an important role
2: they walk hand in hand right so like we talked about before i think foundationally you got to start with the right variety for the situation you're facing and then talking about a seed treatment to make sure hey that's that's our insurance policy when we start the season out and then i think we need to start managing beans and some farmers do this like we manage corn Some growers in the past would definitely just plant beans because it was a rotational crop, but as we've been able to lift that genetic potential and the overall yield potential, growers are sitting up and taking notice, and they're pouring more into that management. So I just think coming up with a real strong plan with your local Pioneer Field agronomist, with your local sales rep, just thinking through how can I maximize this, you can turn some nice profits with soybeans if you put all those pieces together in the right fashion.
0: Okay. Nice profits. I like that. I like the sound of that. I might be speculating and a little bit out of my mind when I say this. We've been talking about corn on corn and growing corn on corn for a long time. There are some areas up in the northwest, production areas. I got to believe that some producers are going to be thinking about growing beans on beans. Is that going to be a possibility?
2: There are definitely growers doing it today, right? Uh, some growers love corn. Some growers love beans. There's positives and negatives to all of those. So I think you got to just... Look at your overall operation and say, what can I do? And then, as you manage through a corn on corn or a bean on bean rotation, there are different foundational things you got to think about from a NPK standpoint. Yeah. How are we, we managing fertilizer? And that's one that, as we go into 2024, Pioneer will have, you've maybe seen the yield pyramid on corn, right? So, to achieve peak yields, got to work our way up the pyramid that's coming in beans too so if you're looking at a bean on bean rotation i definitely think about okay let's start from the bottom and work our way up so that we can still achieve those yield goals that we need
0: fantastic liz thank you so much
2: thanks chip nice to see
0: you good to see you too that's liz knutson u.s soybean marketing lead for pioneer we're going to keep the soybean conversation going next up is a conversation with the crew at the american soybean association
4: The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com farmincentive to see if you're eligible.
1: When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on Agritalk with Chip Florey.
0: Welcome back to AgriTalk and to Trade Talk at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention here in Kansas City. We're keeping the soybean conversation going on this Thanksgiving day. Brad Doyle is chairman of the American Soybean Association. Brad's a grower from Arkansas. Brad, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are
5: you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. All right. Arkansas, I believe it had a record soybean yield this year, didn't it? We're bumping on that number, yeah. We're typically around the 50-51. I don't think all the final numbers are in, but it's it's looking pretty good for us. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the growing season on your farm. So we're, um, we're mainly irrigated in Arkansas with the history of rice we have there. So about 3, 3.1 million acres of soybeans annually. We got off to a great start this year. Early plantings for us really pay high dividends on yield. But June came in fairly dry. We started irrigating earlier than normal, but harvest came in at probably a record early uh, start for many producers. And I don't know that we really saw the, the, some of the highest yields uh, that we were expecting for an early planting, but as our mid and later maturing soybeans came in, I think they, they, they picked up the pace. So we're about, I would say, we're 95% harvested at home, and, and, and quality so far has been great.
0: Yo, Brad, you said something there that we talk about all the time on soybean production now that we never used to really talk about, and that is planting date. Up where I'm at in northern Iowa, guys are trying, they're really pushing the envelope, trying to plant them earlier and earlier. It matters, doesn't it?
5: It does. I think early April for us is usually a a sweet spot, you know, get it in the ground and get it up within 7 to 10 days. But we've got farmers out there playing around with planting in March and yeah. even late February um I mean with the right seed protectants on there yeah uh they they don't you know just uh, totally decay in the field so that's saying a lot for the those uh seed treatments that we put on yeah. there so yeah yeah the
0: technology is there and it's available so guys are are really putting it to use there's no question about that okay a uh, couple of weeks well no just last week <laughs> Uh, we had the Senate approve, the House version, that two-phase uh, continuing resolution, keep the government funded until we get until early 2024. Kick the can down the road to early 2024. With it went an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill. Now, that's through September. That gives us a whole lot more time and a whole lot more information to take in when it comes to this farm bill do you see that changing the um, the environment around the farm bill as we go forward
5: well I'm fortunate living in Arkansas that I'm in Senator Bozeman's uh, region and and his staff is is top-notch and I can pick up the phone and call any one of them at any time and get an answer uh, anytime I go to Washington DC he always meets me in person so Senator Bozeman he is for the farmers, uh, not only for the farmers of Arkansas, for the farmers of the U.S. So, I mean, if you look at this, this um, push to get the farm bill across the finish line, we started in 2022, many, I would even say 2021, with the discussions among commodity groups, starting to get our priorities out there, and then then actually taking them to our senators and congressmen on, on what we needed, having the... Um, you know, going to the to the Senate and the House ad committees and, and testifying on our priority, they know what we wanted. Yeah. Um, yes, it's disappointing that it is uh, going to have an extension, but I feel like the leaders that are there, uh, that are very supportive, of ag, like Senator Bozeman, are going to are going to make sure that we get what we need in the Farm Bill and not uh, take anything out. That would be devastating to our growers. Yeah, Brad. One of the things that they've been talking about is uh, getting creative
0: in the funding for this that you know i appreciate the effort i really do but it concerns me that they're going to not be able to find enough money for what needs to be done for that title one the commodity title it's got to be a concern for you guys
5: it it is i think you're right i mean the longer you wait on something the more holes you can poke in it and uh yes there's there's limited money and we've always known that that if you take money from one spot, it's usually taking away from another. So, yeah, we just got to stand our ground, keep our priorities out there. Title one, including uh, now, a lot can change between now and September. The price of soybeans could skyrocket, or or you know the bottom fall out of it. So we need to be careful um, on the you know protection and, and having the affordable crop insurance for most farmers that's got to be key up front and and nothing chipped away at that idea
0: yeah yeah the uh the the crop insurance there's no question that that's still priority number one title one the the safety net program has got to work in there as well and one thing that's that's a little concerning is is this you know, we've had a nice rally in the bean market no question about it feels like a weather market with what's going on down in brazil but at the same time as we are starting to roll this thing over, the safety net that we thought was not going to be a safety net at all might be
5: a safety net, Brad, and that, that's kind of concerning. So currently, if you look at soybeans, like for reference price of soybeans at $8.40, our the, the inputs the farmer has today, and my, my family's farm included, our equipment, fertilizer, land rent, all of you know, fuel, all of those inputs have have brought up our, our bottom or our break even point well above the, the reference price. So if if, if there'll be more problems if, if that is if we get that low Saturday chip. So we're just trying to bring it back up to a fair uh eleven dollars somewhere in that range that would, would make more sense and and uh have more more protection, you know, family farmers put all their assets up each year uh, to get a crop loan just to go another year. Yeah. And that's all we're, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this industry, right. but but we do work with our government so closely on many, so many programs, uh, that, and this is one that we hope that they'll continue to support the, the family right. farmer. Right. You know, Brad,
0: one of the real bright spots, I think, in the soy complex or the soy industry right now, is the expansion of the crush capacity. NOPA just reported a record for any month in October. The renewable diesel, the sustainable aviation fuel, uh, biodiesel, it's all gotta be
5: near the top of the priority list for, for ASA, isn't it? It is, and, and soybeans such, you know, number one export agricultural product for United States, so trade is 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 key and we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket you know so china has been the largest buyer so if china decides not to buy as many from us we need we need to have in play already customer relations they can immediately you know continue to buy u.s soy whether it's in the form of oil fuel or or meal and and that is why another part of the farm bill the the map and fmd funding foreign market development and market access program. They allow uh, groups uh, such as ASA and, and USAC and, and uh, United Soybean Board to, to to make those connections ahead of time. Uh, and in some cases, like our WISH program, start developing markets. So they can be a long, long-term uh, sustainable U.S. soybean buyer, but we've gotta have those trade lanes available. And then to your point about the renewable diesel, keeping that, uh, that demand is driving itself right now. We just need to make sure that soy is given a fair chance at at getting to play in that game through whether it's carbon intensity score or uh, RVOs that are handed out by EPA.
0: Yeah. Brad, you mentioned wish. I've been looking for opportunities to talk just a little bit more about it because this is really teaching a man to fish is, is what it is and how to use soy protein to improve human health. Uh,
5: it's, it's a an incredible program around the globe. It is, and, and uh, it, so in the past, what we do, we go to countries who are currently not using soy. Uh, in the past, we've gone to Ghana, we've uh, taught, in particular, women poultry farmers, how to use soy to lay more chicken eggs on their, on their farms, and that way they can support more of their family members and their neighbors. So currently, WISH is is working in Cambodia, and I got the chance to travel there last year. You are correct, they were using basically what you would call homemade feed. So anything they could get their hands on, scrap food or whatever, they were trying to feed their fish. And and WISH came in, and then it's a program called Food for Progress through USDA, so it is a partnership, and uh, they have staff over there now. They're teaching them, giving them seminars. We send nutritionists over there, aquaculture nutritionists, and, and basically just show them what is available, how to use soy. We cannot be, we can't compete against the local market. There are rules by going over there, and there are some some governmental hurdles that you you need to come in, you know, friendly, uh, and in order to stay long term. But yeah, it's it's wonderful pro- uh, program and amazing. I think they've. Uh, Got great support over there, and the farmers, fish farmers there, we're truly appreciating the partnership.
0: Well, and it works. That's the most important thing. It's working to help build that that foreign market for U.S. soybean meal. Brad, thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me this morning. You bet. All right. That is Brad Doyle, chairman of the American Soybean Association. We've got to take a quick break, but we've got more soybean talk next. We'll make our way over to the United Soybean booth. And uh, that we'll do that next here at NAFB Trade Talk on Agritalk.
1: Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Micro Essentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the mighty micro from Mosaic. Beloved listener, you might recall Tuesday morning on Agritalk, we were in east-central Wisconsin for our yields in the fields, Sheboygan County, where corn harvest was actually just getting started. They'd seen a nice local basis pop, and the corn yields seemed to be pretty good. That according to a grower in Sheboygan County, Wisconsin, east-central side of the state there. For contrast, let's go to west-central Wisconsin. A grower in Pierce and St. Croix counties writes the following, quote, What a frustrating growing season. I had some good rains early July, late July, and early August, but I received more rain from the end of September through October than from May 1 to September. I planted some soybeans into a cover crop, and the cover crop took enough moisture out of the soil that the soybeans did not germinate until early July. He says, what a mess. My soybean yield was 44.6 bushels per acre weighed across the scale. That's the poorest yield he reports in over a decade. Corn, he says, was a different story. The rain we received in July and early August made the corn crop. Some producers are saying it's one of their best corn crops. The wet fall conditions have led to lots of soil compaction. Even the strong advocates of no-till and cover crops plan to do tillage. So that's the uh, the word from West Central Wisconsin. It does sound like they, uh, they had a lot to contend with, as many growers did. The wide variability in placement and amounts of rain and the timing of rain, as we saw here, this grower got more rain from the end of September through October. than from May 1 to September, those rains were ill-timed to help out that grower. A special thanks to Mosaic for sponsoring Yields in the Fields this round on
3: AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction.
1: Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors.
0: We are talking soybeans on Thanksgiving Day, 2023. Thank you so much for listening. I've made my way over to the United Soybean Board booth at the NAFB convention for a conversation with Mac Marshall, VP of Market Intelligence at the United Soybean Board. Mac, good to see you again. Long time.
6: I know. It's been a minute. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it, that's the beauty of ag. We get to be interconnected. We get to see each other in different places. Yep. Chip, of course, is alluding to a show we tape a couple weeks ago yep. at the Port of Grease Harbor in yep. Aberdeen, Washington. Yep. Yeah. And since then, I've been with USB. Down to the port of South Louisiana too. That's right. Now just making all the rounds on infrastructure, and you know it's one of those things that's important all the time, any year. It's it's kind of like infrastructure is kind of like the ref in a football game, right? You only hear about it when things go wrong, but you know refs need to be applauded more when they get things right. And in the world of infrastructure, I think we're starting to get a lot of things right with the waves of investment that we're having.
0: Okay. When we were out in Aberdeen, Washington, you said something that stuck with me, and I've been trying to get it right in my head ever since. Uh,
6: the best day to plant a tree is today, or or is it yesterday? Same. No, 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 I, 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 this is one of the wisest things I've ever heard. The best time to plant a tree is 15 years ago, but the second best time is today. Right. Is today. And it feels like some of those trees that have been planted are starting to produce fruit absolutely and i would actually think about a couple different uh layers of this proverbial forest so i'd say the first tree i think that you know that's really relevant to this wave of transformation we're seeing the soybean industry with crush expansion and you know the uh investment uh in infrastructure and everything to help support that it all goes back to what well, maybe we'll refer to as some old growth forest here, which is uh, you know the investment towards creating a biodiesel industry back in the 1990s, back when soybean oil was really more of an afterthought. And because that industry was able to get built up, you see the viability of soybean oil as a feedstock for making biodiesel. You see the viability of it in engines, being able to blend it up to 20%. All incredibly exciting. And now, as we're in this phase of you know, growing demand for renewable diesel and, by extension, growing demand for soybean oil and other fat oils, and greases as critical inputs for that, this wave of renewable diesel as a drop in fuel, 100% replacement for petroleum diesel, we don't get to this stage of the forest without that old-growth forest right. from, uh, from, right. from biodiesel in the 1990s. And as we look ahead as we look towards sustainable aviation fuel, you know, smaller market now, but that'll be a growing market in the future. As we think about marine fuel and rail, as we think about bioplastics and soy's use as a petroleum replacement in many other parts of, of the consumer economy. These are all the, uh, you know, the new branches and yeah. green shoots that are, are starting to emerge. So all that planting Back in the nineties, yeah. many, many years ago, is starting to bring, you know, it's starting to really make this a very, very lush forest. Yeah. I really ran with that metaphor. For a you long did time. really good. <laughs> and you did really well. I get it. I get it. I am actually seeing the forest and the trees all at the same time. Right, which is what part of the reason yeah. why we do this, right? Is yeah. uh, this part of the reason we, you know, communicate as ad communicators and journalists yeah. is to is to help parse all that out. It's really it can be very, very challenging i think when you know you're always focused on your bottom line and your profit and your productivity year in year out and because there's so many challenges that farmers face so being able to think about like the broader context beyond that and where soy or corn or you know obviously i'm going to focus on soy here where all that fits in a broader market is i think is really important oh it is it's it absolutely is important it's 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 part of the process and
0: and you gotta you gotta make sure that all the All those uh, processes are are, are getting covered. A couple of things that you mentioned I want to get back to. The expanding crush capacity. We recently had that National Oil Seed Processors
6: Association report. Biggest crush month ever. Mac, it's happening. It it is happening. And and I love it. Now, I I think I said this on the last show, but I'll say it again, and I'm dating myself again as a fan of the A-team. Yeah. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, yeah. You know, I quote the great, you know, George Papart, Hannibal Smith, I love it when a plan comes together. That's what's unfolding now. It's, you know, I think back to almost three years ago when we started seeing this wave of investment, of announcements, announcements, yeah. not steel on the ground, but announcements right. of renewable diesel facilities coming online and, and waves of investment happening there. So, okay, that's great, but... You know, we got to de-bottleneck a whole bunch of things in between. We need more crush capacity. So eventually you get the crush investment. It seems a lot more real. And now you have to get to, okay, are we actually running these crush plants? Are they coming online? Well, they're coming online. They're running hotter. We're crushing crushing more and more. You see the record crush level in the most recent NOPA report. That's fantastic. And it's not just about, like, the crush. All this matters when you think about the end markets and the demand for it. Yeah. And, you know, this morning we had an export sales report come out. Yeah. And, you know, I was taking a look at it, taking a look at the data where we are. You know, we're seeing significant growth in soybean meal exports, which is exactly how this whole system should be coming together as... The demand for oil is pushing more for, uh, you know, for for crush expansion. And Of course, you can't get oil without getting the meal. But that incremental meal production, that doesn't work if you don't have the demand channels for it. And what's the data you look at for the demand channels? It's the shipments, it's the consumption domestically, and all of that is looking great. Um, And, you know, further to that point... You know, also recently completed the 22-23 marketing year in totality for meal and oil. Yep. And the export campaign for meal, new record. 13.3 million metric tons shipped this last marketing year. And we're already ahead of last year's pace. I know it's still early, but that trend of increasing meal exports, I think we can expect to see that continue to grow in the years to come. Yep. Which means this is all happening as it should. And it's and it's, it's really exciting because I... um. The the meal component and what that means for animal ag domestically and abroad is incredibly important. And and I'd be remiss if, if I if I didn't, you know, think a little bit about this festive holiday time, yeah. you know, and Thanksgiving. Well, you know, soy touches your plate in a lot of a lot of interesting yes, ways. God. It really does. You know, and um I taped a video earlier that we'll uh, we'll have up on the USB channels about, you know, soy's intersection with dairy and poultry and yeah. and and swine pork, um you know to to help bring that that meal to your table each year but it's not just soy's role in the food chain you know everything that is on your thanksgiving table yeah one way or another it didn't yeah. get a walk there it came on a truck. Cable right. and heavy transportation. Everything yep. we have is again this hidden lifeblood of the of a country, which is trucking. Yep. So yeah. you think about transportation fuel? Okay, you're yeah. getting me to where I want to go okay. next. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you said
0: something and you went by it really, really fast earlier. Oh. Marine fuel. Marine fuel. We we think the the truck demand for fuel
6: is big. Marine fuel is off the charts. I mean, think about international trade and yeah. the ability to move agricultural products from areas of efficiency and surplus, like the United States, to markets of of, of deficit where they don't have the luxury of growing with the same efficiency that we have. That's ocean yeah, large vessels. Yeah. And, you know— Absolutely essential to the flow of international trade, to keeping markets open and functional for our ag producers here domestically, as well as for consumers around the globe. And if we really think about like this whole interconnected system of feeding the world... um, I've said it before on the transportation side of things, when we talk about food and energy, when we talk about getting food to people, so much of that relies on value-added processing, manufacturing, and transportation. Right. And so if you really want to focus on how to efficiently feed the country and the world, you have to think about transportation and decarbonizing that too and finding a more resilient system that can better weather shocks that a petroleum-based economy, you know, historically has had trouble with. So really excited about renewable energy. we talked about it on uh, on, on on-road, but certainly the applications for marine and rail are exciting as well. Yes, absolutely.
0: Let me connect one more dot from that NOPA report. Biggest crush month ever. Soybean oil stocks went down month to month. So we're making all that soybean oil. We're making all the soybean meal
6: and our oil stocks are going down while we're increasing crush. It's because of the demand for it. It's so palpable and it's so versatile, right? And yes, you're seeing an increasing volume of soybean oil use in the energy complex, which is how this should be evolving. Again, if we want to, you know, really have solutions for a bioeconomy and, you know, combat, you know, The effects of climate change and you know carbon emissions, you know, turning to renewable energy is is it's it's an easy pathway. Unfortunately, our farmers are able to grow the input for that year after year after year. Yeah, yep. Mac, it's
0: been good to spend some time with you here over the past couple of weeks. I look forward to spending more time with you. Keep it up, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chip. And happy Thanksgiving, man. It's great to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you so much. That is Mac Marshall. He is the VP of market intelligence for the United Soybean Board. I hope that you are enjoying our coverage from the NAFB convention. And we're gonna keep the conversation about all things soybeans going. Uh, Next up, we're gonna talk about some of the tools that are available to help you tackle the resistant weeds in your soybean and your corn crop. We're gonna have a conversation with Mark Kitt from Syngenta about that. Resistant weeds coming up next, right here on AgriTalk.
3: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction.
4: The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com farmincentive to see if you're eligible.
1: Uh, what kind of radio program do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds, agra and
3: talk. On.
0: On. On. We've Cut been talking about soybeans Ride on Thanksgiving around. here uh, from production to market development. And now we're going to talk about some crop protection and take that on over to the corn side as well. And joining me now at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting uh, Trade Talk is Mark Kent. Uh, Mark is the technical product lead for herbicides at Syngenta Crop Protection. Mark, uh, how goes the battle for corn growers, bean growers that are dealing with weeds that have developed that resistance to uh, some of the existing herbicide programs out there?
7: Yeah, Chip, good morning. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. Um, it, it's really key to uh, think about using residual herbicides, not only in soybeans but also in corn to build a really good resistance management plan. If you talk to a lot of the University Weed Science Extension people, one of their key points they always talk about in both corn and soybeans is using a very robust residual-type product because you actually want to control that weed before it even gets up. Once you get that weed emerged and it starts growing, it can be much more difficult to control. So really, the the, the tagline we like to use in resistance management is c- control the weed seed and not the emerged weed. Yep. And it's also really key to think about a weed resistance management plan not only uh, in the in the crop currently, but for yep. long term in you know, a corn and soybean rotation and managing your weeds.
0: Right, Mar- Mark residual is a word that I've heard from a few here at trade talk uh, is the message getting through are our growers um you know overlaying those residuals to so that there's that season long protection out there
7: I I think it is getting through okay. now obviously, i think there's regional differences and how effective uh, you know not only where some of us basic manufacturers like syngenta are talking this message about overlapping residual control uh, but there are areas that you know that are still uh trying to control weeds total post yeah. and it is like i said previously if those weeds get up and going you get a rain out or anything like that the weeds get big those weeds will more than likely go to seed when you're running the combine through your crop, right? And those weeds drop into the soil, increase the number of weeds in your soil seed bank, and then you're fighting those weeds in your subsequent crop. And, and for years, right? Uh, weed seeds can, uh, depending upon the species, can last 20 years in the soil seed bank, right? So you need to think about weed management as a as a long-term type uh uh, system and not only using herbicides, you got to think about cultural practices, yeah. right? Like tillage. Yeah. Uh, yeah if yeah. the gr- if you're the grower, so inclined, cover crops are, are a really good way to suppress weeds. So they need to think about all those type of things.
0: Yeah, it's a full program. Now, some of the growers that I've talked with, and and you know, I think about some specific areas because we identify them. Every year when we go out on crop tour, we'll see some spot that's probably had too many escapes. Well, you know that that's probably got something to do with the weather and the environment rather than management. Because if you get in an area where all of a sudden there's escapes everywhere, weather probably had something to do with it. When you get into that recovery phase and you know that you've got the escapes out there before you run that combine, what can you do?
7: Well, that can be a challenging thing, actually, obviously, in crop because you run the combine through and you scatter those weed seeds. This is where prior planning and implementing a sound weed management uh, plan comes into effect, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously with the dry weather, you want to use a program that can spread your risk out, right? So back to the overlapping residuals message in both corn and soybeans using a sound residual herbicide and then using something you can use post-emergence over the crop that has residual activity as well. That spreads out your residual throughout the crop versus potentially just using it uh, all up front. Yep. All right. So what's new from Syngenta that can help in this map? Well, a couple things we'd like to highlight, and first we'll start with corn, is uh, we're we're happy to introduce a new corn herbicide called Storin. Storin contains four active ingredients, uh, bicyclopyrone, mesotrione, peroxisulfone, esmetolaclor, and the safener uh, benoxacor. And uh, one of the great things about Storin is that we've seen it has excellent consistency of control. Obviously, we talked about the dry weather and variable weather. Uh, across all of our research plots, it consistently performed across all those environmental conditions better better than a lot of the competitive uh, residual corn products the other thing that's key about storing is we've seen up to three weeks longer residual control compared to some of the competitive products okay. which takes you to canopy closure which is key to keeping those weeds in check and late emerging weeds moving to soybeans well tendovo okay tendovo is an another excellent residual product to put down in in, in front of soybeans that contains Esmetoloclor, Chloransalam, and Metribuzin as an excellent combination to uh, fight those resistant weeds.
0: You know, you said it from the very beginning. It's easier to, to control the weeds before they are even weeds. Get them, get them early. That's the message, and get them with the residual.
7: Yeah, get them with a the residual. And I, I'll repeat it. It's one of the thing, key things if, to remember. The, throughout our conversation is control the weed seed before it emerge, emerges with a residual herbicide. Don't try to battle it once it gets out of the soil, especially if you have tough populations um, of, of weeds that are getting more difficult to control. That, that is the way to go. And obviously with all the uh, challenges that growers face with controlling pigweeds like water hemp and palmer amaranth, uh, we've done market research that says 40% of the growers will say they have a difficult time controlling those pigweed species. And both Storin and Tendovo provide excellent control of the pigweed complex. Good stuff, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, Chip, it was great talking to you. All right.
0: That is Mark Kitt, technical product lead for herbicides at Syngenta Crop Protection. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and thanks for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon, 206 Central. I'll have more coverage from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in
3: Kansas City right here on Agriton.